Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I'm your host, Mary Catherine Ham. I am here with my friend Vic Mattis, as always, of the Washington Free Beacon. We're going to do some podcasting. That's what we're going to do today. We're excited about it. How are you, Vic? Hello, Mary Catherine. I am getting better day by day as I share with the world. My, my, Your maladies. My maladies. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Tomorrow will be consumption, something else, scarlet fever. <laughs> you got to go really, you got to really throw back yellow fever, yeah, that's scarlet right. fever. That's right. That, 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 All that, the colors of fevers. That, yes, the various tremors that they have. You know, my humors are off balance, my humors. <laughs> I have gotten better because I have come to accept the wonders known as a soft food diet. Okay. So Alex is shaking her head. I'm talking about applesauce, rice pudding, right? <laughs> I'm thinking of just moving to an assisted living facility. Yeah, well, it's just you, you and my seven-month-old are on the same. Oh, good, we're track. on the same track, yeah. and we're making both baking progress. <laughs> this is funny. Kate's aunt is actually trying out a facility, an assisted living facility, okay. and it sounds amazing. <laughs> right? I like, I like, and like, this is what's scary. I could probably do this in ten years, but why do I need to wait in ten years? I could just yeah, do no, this why, now. why wait to treat yourself? Don't you have know? to cook. Don't have to clean. Right. And new friends, new audience for my material. True. My jokes. Play some cribbage, tell some jokes. That's right. In fact, speaking of jokes, so over the weekend, I was with some of our friends at this work-related event, and I was telling a joke. It had to do with a a guy I knew who was was at the time in the FBI, right? This is a true story. He he actually broke a prostitution ring, right? So I turned that into a joke. I'm not going to explain the joke, Mm -hmm. but I turned it to a joke, lots of laughs, and then one of the guys says, you know, you told that one before. Oh, no. You're not supposed to be called out for that. This is a social setting, sir. I said, what? But I varied the joke. He said the punchline was a little bit different. I said, I'm working on it. But in assisted living, new new audience. Well, and it would be a new audience every day because they would often forget forget. everything you had said. (laughs) Excellent point. I can't wait to go. I'm going to pack after this. How are you? I'm good. Are you excited about the very hot weather this weekend? I hear it's happening. So I got to break out my cargo shorts. Yes. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. So you can carry all your various carabiners yeah. well, what with you, go, what you on your walks. That's, that's right. I have all various things. What uh, What do you have? you have anything planned, uh, weather-related? I don't have anything planned per se. I mean, I, we have a couple get-togethers in the neighborhood, but nothing nothing big planned. But I, I relish the first hot day of the season, uh-huh. like really hot. Yeah. Because the D.C. area, the Mid-Atlantic, is full of a bunch of winter triumphalists who are so oh, proud <laughs> of how good they are in the snow That's and right. the ice. That's right. And they look down upon me and my inability to drive in said conditions. Look, I just stay inside and stay safe. Stay home, stay safe. That's what I do when it snows. But when it comes to this weather, this is where I shine, Vic. This, oh, this is where is I shine. Uh, I can walk out with a sweatshirt on. And my, and my Northeastern friend Guy Benson will have to inform me that it is in the 90s because I am impervious impervious this is years of training in georgia and north carolina you're the reverse of of we northerners right jersey new york i remember my good friend chris caldwell you know from you know the boston area right he's from marblehead and in the winter when it's really cold he just still wear his like blazer just his coat and a cap nope he says all you need is the winter cap and you're the reverse it's like 80 and you'll have a sweater on like i'm fine well, no, we've talked about sweaters. I do have difficulty with sweaters, but it's a whole other issue. But I could go out in long sleeves and I would not notice until someone informed me that it was hot. It just sort of like, it's just the place that I was born to be. I was born to live in a humidor. 
So, uh, and to, yeah. to, to be preserved, yeah. you know? A classic question for you then. Yes. Would you prefer being too hot or too cold? Oh, definitely too hot. Any day of the week. Any <laughs> yeah, of the, because I, that's the Southern in you. I told, yeah, you no, I told my husband, mosey. if there's a cold apocalypse event, just ditch me. Just, <laughs> I'm no good here. I cannot be helpful to you. If it's a hot apocalypse, mm-hmm. I'm there. Mm-hmm. I'm there every step of the way. I can gut it out. Uh, when I When I read the Little House books with my kids i'm just continually just like <laughs> they're so cold all the time right they're so cold all the time up there up there in the north um my wife says that i have no problems with the heat because of my island um, my island background so it's just a little racial it's a little, it's a little problematic it's a little problematic but she's right I but think. you know if she's you give right, her a pass it's, then it's okay as we learned on the last show that's right that's right she's from connecticut they don't mind the cold no but i like i, I don't mind the hot. no i'm not i'm not flinty yeah. i'm not i <laughs> you put me in the cold although i do i do the notice problem, yeah. that it gets you get inured if you are in cold for longer periods of yes. time and i do harden up a little bit but but here's the lot. here's the other thing though like uh you could, if it's cold, you really can layer up. You do layers. You can do layers, right? If the heat's not working, you do layers. If it's hot, there's only so many clothes you could take yes, off. Yes, this is true. Yeah. This is true. For social acceptability <laughs> reasons. We could try uh, to change that. This is the free beacon. So, you know, we could, it's very free around here. <laughs> That's right. No, but I used to, uh, you know, I used to play sports in North Carolina oh, and Georgia, just oh. like in the straight mm-hmm. up summer. Yeah. I mean, you don't. And the funny thing is, I came, I came, I came up in times before they believed in like hydration. We didn't even do that. I, no, and now it's like every chance you. Get. I mean, we had that like watered down public school Gatorade and those big, those big the, jugs, yeah, the, the big jug, orange yeah, jugs. Uh-huh. It was like they put like half a teaspoon. Yeah, there's of Gatorade a mix, powder in but there. there's saving on the mix. You can't put all the powder That's in there. The, it's just like it a little bit of powder. So it just barely tastes like Gatorade. <laughs> Coloring. <laughs> It's just a, sort of like a little bit sour. But no, we didn't even drink water. We just went out there and ran. That was it. Kids today, man, they have oh, to no. have a water bottle attached to their wrist at all times. That's yeah. which, look, hydration can, cause, can yeah. solve a lot of your problems. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> sure. I believe in hydration. Sure. I think we should have done more of it when I was a child. And yet the sweet tea seemed to do the trick for me. You were probably, I was hydrated well, entirely was your, by sweet tea. Well, well, I was going to ask to say mellow yellow. No, that's, <laughs> no, that's mount, further mount, south. Is Mountain Dew was, was oh, the Mountain drink Dew. in okay. my high school. Okay. I did not partake of Mountain Dew. And my dentist could tell the difference between my brothers who did partake of Mountain Dew and, and my teeth. Uh-huh. It's a lot of sugar. Not, yeah, it's a lot. It's, it's like lot it's high octane, yeah. octane the yeah, Mountain Dew. It is. If you, if you drink a lot of it. Occasionally, I will still have a Mountain Dew. Like once every six years, I'll be like at a gas station and need a Mountain Dew with a Slim Jim. Oh, that's good. And that, that's celebrating <laughs> yes. America. That is. that is. That is celebrating America. That is. Anyway, so that's what's going on with me. Good. I'm excited for my, my hot weather debut this weekend. Check in with me on Monday. I'll be like, oh, God, it's really hot. <laughs> right. When's I'm winter a, coming? I'm out of practice. <laughs> oh, I was also noting to Alex that I brought the baby in briefly yes. today. Um, big. And then we ditched her to record. But, uh, but she has no shoes on because she never has shoes on. And it occurred to me with the first two especially the second who was a winter baby. They, my first always had shoes on because she always had to have matching booties with all of her outfits. And the second one had shoes on and socks on because it was cold. Third one has never been in a pair of socks or booties. I don't think never. I just, she made it through the entire winter and I was like, I don't know. This doesn't seem that necessary. Let's put a, let's put a blanket over it and be done with it. Oh, that's good. That's like me. I rarely, I rarely, well, I mean, here, obviously, you know, the office, I'm wearing socks and shoes, but at home, I'm a, I, 
get into this. I'm a barefoot person, you know, Interesting. barefoot person. Whereas like Kate's family, mm-hmm. they're, they're all they're all shoes. They're oh, all just like socks, shoes. When I would be up there in Connecticut, like I don't think I've ever seen my in-laws' feet, you know. <laughs> and it'll be like ten o'clock at night, and and my father-in-law is still wearing from, from yeah. you know from from the from no. the office from the hospital, no, or, you like know, that. he's still wearing his shoes. We do not do mandated think, shoes yeah. off or anything yeah. like that. I don't. I feel yeah. like that's a lot to impose on guests, but. I don't like to have shoes on in the house generally. No, yeah. I'm a sock Me feet too. person. I am oh. I'm often in my socks. Yeah, um, no, I'm barefoot. And I know this is controversial to some people. I found that this was controversial recently in the last year or so. I sleep in socks, which some people think is really wrong. Wait a minute, in the summer? All the time. But they're just pajamas for your feet. What's the problem? Now you need to Alex breathe. Alex objects. No, I want to hear have, why Alex... They have to breathe. Your body needs to breathe. Alex, they, they need to breathe. They have to breathe. Thank I'm you. with you. Unless... So my feet get very cold because I have like no circulation mm. at all. So sometimes I'll go to bed and like wrap my feet in socks and a blanket. If It's like dead of winter and like I'm iron deficient, you know, uh-huh. like that. <laughs> yeah. But then like every time when I wake up in the morning, my socks are off of my feet and I don't remember taking mm-hmm. them off. So like instinctually, there's something deep in so, me that's like, get the socks off so of my, my feet. So mine always end up off, but I have to mm-hmm. start with them on because my extremities get cold even when it's warm. So I got to I gotta have the socks to begin mm-hmm. with. I Some people are really, really averse to this. They think it's very bad to go to bed in socks. Now they're like, they're not like gross socks. They're, I, they're sometimes I have separate sleeping socks. Yes, because cozy. when you're walking around the house, <laughs> yes. that gets dirty. You they're know, not, you don't want that the in gross the bed. Socks, no. but I do have uh, I do have the socks on in the bed, no matter the season. My, my parents were slipper people. Uh, I'm a slippers. slipper really? people. I have really? these little. They're like flip flops. Slipper, yeah, that's what my dad is. I just became has. a slipper person flip-flops. during the pandemic. Flip flops. Oh, I like flip flops. <laughs> I became a flip uh, a, sli- a flipper person, a slipper person during the pandemic. I got a very nice pair of UGGs from my mother in law, and I had never had UGGs before. And I put them on my feet, and Comfy. I was like, "This is a right. revelation." It's like the fur line. <laughs> it's so nice. It and nice. then it was 2020, so I never left my house, or I did, but not as often as one would normally. So I had many opportunities for slipper wearing and so much that I've had to buy myself a new pair since then because I wore those suckers out. Yeah, yeah. that'll happen. So anyway, that's we've covered all the temperature and, bases. And that wraps up another, oh, sorry. <laughs> all right, so we do, we do have some news. Yes. <clears throat> the Disinformation Bureau has oh, fallen. Boy. The Ministry of Truth down. Yes. Down, yes. Vic. Yes. This this disinformation panel or board or agency started by the De- Department of Homeland Security in late April has already met its at least temporary end. Yes, I think they say it's on hold. It's paused. It's paused. Because it's no paused. no government entity ever actually dies. This one, by the way, as we were saying <laughs> on the show, away. this one, like you got to nuke it. This one needs to yeah, be nuked yeah, because yeah. it will Nip be it, in the mud. Re- it will be revived. It will be zombie disinformation board. Mm-hmm. But for now. We are safe, and we are safe from Nina Jankovitz, who was the or Jankowitz, who Jankowitz, was the yeah. uh, the head of this board. She was sort of had a career in studying disinformation in academic circles. She was considered a person who was sort of an expert in this. Let me just let's just start with the Washington Post story about how this went down. It was written by one of our recurring characters, Taylor Lorenz <laughs> of the Washington Post. Great, and here's the headline. How the Biden administration let right-wing attacks derail its disinformation efforts. It's an amazing headline, Mm -hmm. by the way. 
I'll just add to read a little bit from here. On the morning of April 27th, the Department of Homeland Security announced the creation of the first disinformation governance board with the stated goal, quote, to coordinate countering misinformation related to homeland security. The Biden administration tapped Nina Jankowitz, a well-known figure in the field of light of fighting disinformation and extremism, as the board's executive director. In naming the 33-year-old Jankowitz to run the newly created board, the administration chose someone with extensive experience in the field of disinformation, blah, blah, blah. She wrote a book. Within the small community of disinformation researchers, her work was well regarded. Pause. There's actually a write-up in the bulwark from some other disinformation folks who go through her book and are like, actually, she was duped by a bunch of Russian disinformation <laughs> tidbits in here. So, but within hours of her of news of her appointment, Jankowitz was thrust into the spotlight by the very forces she dedicated her career to combating. The board itself and DHS received criticism. Oh, criticism. Can you believe oh, this, they. Vic? For both its somewhat ominous name and scant details of specific mention. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas said, quote, it could have done a better job of communicating what it is and what it isn't. But Jankowitz was on the receiving end of the harshest attacks with her role mischaracterized as she oh. became a primary target on the right-wing internet, she has been subject to an unrelenting barrage of harassment and abuse while unchecked misrepresentations of her work continue to go viral. Then we get to the actual news, which is this rollout was terrible. This idea was ill-conceived. They had to drop it because it was terrible and ill-conceived. Yeah. And they had done almost no vetting of Jankowitz, who it turns out has this very colorful internet yeah. trail of videos of her singing Very colorful yes parodies of she's sometimes like sexualized harry mary potter poppins, yeah. content yeah. <laughs> and she had yes the most famous is the the mary poppins ditty about yes. disinformation i mean it's sort of a cartoon character of a person to be cast yeah. for this particular role as head of the ministry of truth of course, none of that was the reason that this had to go down. It was because of us, Vic. That's right. It was because of the right-leaning criticisms. Yeah, it's all our fault. How it's dare fault. we question? First of all, I do, I do want to say it is important to keep the victims first and foremost in our minds, and the victim is always a powerful bureaucrat. Okay, so <laughs> let, like, <laughs> yeah. and she has said, right? She she's a victim. Oh, she, she's, she's look, the threats. And anybody threats. anybody who is thrust thrust into the spotlight yeah. by taking on a very very powerful role in the federal government is going to get nastiness, and I do not endorse any of that. However, (laughs) being a really, really powerful bureaucrat does not make criticism of you out of line. You post those videos up there, you're going to, you know, you're asking for it. What I would like to say is that any dumb videos of me that I have taken myself or allowed to be taken are actually a coordinated disinformation campaign against me. So if you you. see anything out there... Against you. That makes me look bad. <laughs> That's where it's coming from. It cannot be laid at my no, no. doorstep. No, nothing's your fault <laughs> no, no. ever. Does this count as a "you love to see it" moment? <laughs> what did they did they cancel? That they, they did they cancel they the thing? thing? Yeah. Actually, maybe I should give credit. I believe it was Seth Mandel who tweeted that. Actually, you know, the best thing that the Biden administration could do in the fight against disinformation is to can this woman and get rid of this. So, like, yeah. props to them. Yeah. So it's a move in the right direction, but it needs to be nuked, man. It needs to be nuked. Was it doomed from the beginning? And also, was it doomed largely because of her? If there was somebody else, had they gone straight to Michael Chertoff, for example? I don't think it was doomed from the beginning because the rollout. So it was many the rollout that was well, botched. I think they managed to overstep even the very friendly media's yeah 
ability to swallow yeah. this one. Now, I, I will say one of my complaints with all of this is that how much media coverage did you see of this idea that was even skeptical yeah. of the formation of it? It just was like, oh, they announced a new thing because the disinformation fight is very important. Right. Well, let's talk about whether the United States government, one of the main purveyors of disinformation in this country, should be figuring out what is disinformation and what is not. Exactly. Is it going to be dealing with mm -hmm. domestic sources? They said no, but there's already a State Department section that deals with foreign dis and misinformation. So quite frankly, I don't believe you. Right. And the whole press is just like, mm, I mean, this sounds like okay. <laughs> this sounds all right. Cool. Except for us. Except for us. We're but vigilant. We're, well, we're the disinformation. Yeah, we are. I think it was a problem that they chose a person, obviously, who thought the Hunter Biden laptop story was a hoax. Yeah. And then at the same time thought the Russia hoax was real. Well, and right? he, I think but this it, is so the was, problem, right? The disinformation, misinformation fight yeah. truly is just a guise for whatever liberal elite think is yeah. the correct thing to be talking about. That undermines any fight you're going to have against actual dis and misinformation right. right because if you are someone who bought the hunter biden disinformation about it being disinformation follow me down the rabbit hole <laughs> then you are not somebody who can discern this you have right. decided based on your ideology what is good information and what is bad information right. and i think that there was enough of a public reaction largely against this and you knew it was bad when I think even Hill Democrats were embarrassed about this. Yeah. Didn't they cancel a hearing because they just yeah, they did were not like, want her yes. off of the stand? Yeah, I mean, it was ripe for ridicule. And yeah. I think it was perfect for an internet age, something that perhaps someone who is a an expert in online dis and misinformation and campaigns might have anticipated before she was given this job. But yeah, the the clips were too numerous, the silliness too embarrassing, the fact that she had fallen for disinformation many times over it's a problem and i think it i think it helps because it lays bare that this disinformation fight is not actually about disinformation right at the same time you know this is only the beginning of her career oh my gosh yes can you picture her well she's already on msnbc i was gonna say she's gonna be on msnbc she's on chris hayes's show last night saying that you know mm -hmm. here's the here's the real problem yeah is that the disinformation right. campaign against me has now succeeded yeah well come on man now she'll be like dean at you know columbia school of journalism oh no no, no yeah for sure for <laughs> yeah. sure they're gonna she'll be at the atlantic's next gathering yeah, 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 on yeah, disinformation yeah, definitely. Fo definitely. Fo definitely. yeah yeah tell Ted us a, tell us about you how you fell Aspen victim ideas. to the to the disinformation hordes, yeah. the people who know that the Hunter Biden story was real, yeah. those people, they're, yeah. they're the worst. Yeah, they're the worst. The people who thought the Russia story seemed highly suspect, they're the yeah. worst. Yeah. Get those people out of the public square. Yeah, well. They've rewritten the past. That's, that's the worst thing. Anyway. <sighs> Nina, we hardly knew you. I, you're right, though. We're going to see her everywhere. Yeah, it's just the beginning. <laughs> oh, nuke it. As soon as Republicans take over, first order of business. Yeah, yeah. Because that thing, will, it will survive. Mm -hmm. It will survive. Also, I'd pause I'd, to stop. That's <laughs> what I'm say. I believe that Chertoff also is a Hunter Biden uh, laptop truther. I, I, I think he was yeah. on the disinformation yeah. train on that one, too. Yeah. Great. Yeah, well. <laughs> here's, oh, here's a now it can be told. Oh, yeah. 
the New York Times this week reporting on enrollment in public schools. Uh, this, this actually came later the day that I testified at that hearing. Mm-hmm. And I wish I had seen it before I went in there. The New York Times, with plunging enrollment, a seismic hit to public schools. This is a well-reported piece on the more than one million students who have left America's public schools. It's a sizable number. A sizable number. Here, just a couple sentences I want to read to you. They lay out, you know, various places how this is happening. And then, it's, then it says, No overriding explanation has emerged yet for the widespread drop-off. Okay. But experts point to two potential causes. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's listen up. Some parents became so fed up with remote instruction or mask mandates that they started homeschooling their children or sending them to private or parochial schools that largely remained open during the pandemic. Do tell. That's crazy. And other families were thrown into such turmoil by pandemic-related job losses, homelessness, and school closures that their children simply dropped out. There's a heartbreaking story in here about a woman who has a 17, 15, and 6-year-old and were homeless for a while and couldn't get her kids enrolled in school. Obviously, they couldn't be in virtual school because mm-hmm. they don't have MiFi in their yeah. car or their extended yeah. stay motel. That's right. And then was sort of worried about enrolling them again because of the truancy problem and that she might have to uh, pay for yeah. that issue yeah. legally. So, but what strikes me is that they also go through here and they note, oh, indeed, the most drop off, like there's no overriding explanation. Uh-huh. But the most drop-off happened in urban areas where the schools were closed for the longest. And strangely, in Florida, where schools remained open, enrollment did not drop and in some cases grew. Public schools. Public schools in Florida. So strange. So strange. Can someone noodle on an overriding explanation for this over at the New York Times. You know what's particularly baffling is this happened during a, a time when the governor of that state was named Rhonda Santis. It's so Death. strange. Santis. So I don't know how that happened. No, this is... Look, I, this this article is uncanny yeah. in that every single thing in it is a thing that the open school movement said was happening yeah. and would happen. It was going to happen and then happen. Except maybe worse than some of them predicted. And and yet I was told at the hearing that this is a problem of the past and we should not be, we shouldn't be worrying about this. Yeah. We should not even be talking about it because we need to move forward with another trillion dollar nonsense. The impact of the shutdown policy, I mean, is con- will continue to be revealed over the next few years in terrible ways, right? We're just beginning to see it now. It is not, it's obviously not going away. I'm surprised. Do you think they actually... Are they actually surprised this is happening, these numbers? Or do you think they're like, well, we finally have to report it? somebody tweeted, and I had forgotten about this. I believe it was Alec McGillis tweeted a flashback to Randy Weingarten saying, asked about, like, well, what do you worry about people outside of, you know, Mm -hmm. with with these school closures going on? And she, I believe it was September of 2020. And she said, she said, no, I don't really worry because, you know, people need to be in community together. No, kids need to be in community together. Well, yeah. yeah, you didn't offer that. So those who were capable of creating community yeah. or finding it elsewhere did so. And many of those who couldn't were simply abandoned. Yeah, that is that That's is what right. happened. Randy Weingarten, of course, always completely lacking self-awareness, tweeted this morning in response to some something about the Chicago area heat wave that educators want what students need. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And I said, you know, certain exceptions may apply, like the entire year of school. 
What are the public? I wonder where the public schools go from here. Right, they're losing all these students to going to charter schools, parochial schools, homeschooling, what have you. Can they recover, or do will they never recover as long as they're in the grip of the teachers' unions? Or do you have more hope than that? Well, the, so what I want is for students to recover. Mm-hmm. I don't so much care about public schools. Schools per se. Per se, I want the students in those to be yes. served, which is why I was saying, like, instead of moving on with our next super awesome trillion dollar remedy, maybe take the 93% of money from the last rescue for the public schools and make sure it's going to fixing these problems or make sure it's going to people who have recourse to go elsewhere if they're not being served. By the way, one of the crazy stories from this New York Times piece is that in Oakland, in California, they're they're down so much that they're starting to combine schools and just shut schools down. I mean, it is, it's bleak. But I that want, affects their budgets, which is the for, you know a, a real right. bad bottom line situation yes. for them. And that, that's of course when they start n- caring, no, yeah, yeah, that's right? right? That's right. <laughs> like, oh wait, they won't get as much money to spend. So how, the question, I guess, is like, how do you make sure students recover? And one is to make sure that this money, such that it is, actually goes to education. It will not. Spoiler alert: the money coming mm-hmm. from the from the relief funds. There's another option that that money could go to the people who paid taxes, whose schools weren't open, and they could do with it as they wished. I know, radical. Mary Katz, crazy talk, Mary Katz. I know. That is crazy talk. But I don't know. I I think there's going to be, ironically, the places that are controlled by unions will be least able to recover. This is like a a vicious cycle because they won't be able to think of creative solutions because unions will not allow them to do so. Yeah, that's right. So other places where you have less need, you'll have more creative solutions and those will work to the good of all the students, probably. And then the other places. And then the other places are just going to stay doing the same thing yeah. with kids who are several years behind. Do you remember when certain schools reopened in the fall of 2020? <laughs> Some supposedly without masks. Right. And they all managed to survive. And everybody else scoffed at that. Or yes. said, you're crazy to send Always, your kids. always. You're going to kill everybody. You're going to kill everybody. You're going to kill I, the teachers. I was the parent, because people will always say, like, you first. And I was like, gladly. Yeah. Gladly. I hit right. that button every time they sent me a survey. I was like, oh, put them back in school. I will take yeah. as in school as you will give me. I will take. That's right. And I was trying to signal to them that there are those of us who will support you in this decision. It did not. And, and, it didn't work. And the data, <laughs> and the data bear it. Yeah, I know. It's like, am I just wasting my time? I remember Kate wrote... The most thoughtful letter, oh, bless her. you yeah. know, to the Arlington School that's, Board. That's or whatever. back when we thought they were like aligned well, yeah, with us, aligned yeah. and listening and caring. When in fact, you know, <laughs> the, it, it was the, the results were baked in, but uh, um, but the data bear it out already, right? Yeah, the kids were not a serious vector for COVID, right? The American Academy yeah. of Pediatricians. Somehow we tend to ignore all this, or that kids in Europe were going to school. Yep, without masks, so. we just ignored all of it. No, we have a we have a tough road ahead, and as I said. The the in the hearing and here the people who say that they are the biggest advocates mm-hmm. for public school did the most to destabilize them of any force yes. in modern American history. I mean, it is astounding. I remember during those months, early on in 2020 and later, I would go for a run during the day. There's, you know, right. the streets are empty. Everybody's at home. Except for I'd go by the local Catholic school and I'd see all these kids, even though there were masks, they were in school and they were the only ones there in school. They were in the playgrounds playing with each other, yep. interacting and the teachers and they line up and then they go in. And I remember being so jealous looking at them and thinking, yeah, how lucky they are, you know? And then we eventually took our arson out. Yeah. 
I mean, this is what again, people with means are making different decisions, yeah. and a lot I of wish families we did it earlier. about a lot of families, by the way, in, in times of this inflation, are making pretty decent sacrifices to make those changes mm-hmm. work. Again, another reason why they should, they should use a rebate on the old uh, tax money that they spent for the year before, where they got nothing. Yeah, that's right. I know, crazy talk, crazy talk. We'll see. All right, more crazy talk over at Netflix. Ooh. We did not congratulate Netflix. I missed uh, this story. And we I don't think have. we've ever congratulated Netflix. <laughs> no, but we will now. Um, well, first of all, uh, the, the bad news before the good for their business, that is, they're losing subscribers because yes. the, the highly competitive streaming network, they were always going to be king, but they're not always going to be yeah. king. So they have to innovate. And perhaps one of the ways they're innovating is telling their woke employees to hit the road if they can't work on content with which they disagree. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. So what what, what is happening? So, here? so they sent out a memo, um, sort of in the in the wake of the Dave Chappelle stuff. There, you know, there was the employee walkout. Oh, yeah, uh, the protest. And the problem in corporate America is that they are so very scared of their young woke employees and the ideas of these walkouts and these very public fights about any content that runs afoul of the ever changing lefty orthodox. Yeah. That they're just paralyzed, right? They're paralyzed in the face of these. Netflix pretty impressively did stand up uh, for Chappelle. Now, I know that's partly a money thing. Happy happy that that's the case because they ended up making the right decision. There was a little bit of tepid talk about him in one meeting, but they they never Mm -hmm. backed down. Mm -hmm. So in, in this new era, perhaps when they're losing money and times are not great and they can deal with less nonsense because there's less cushion for dealing with nonsense, they have told employees, look, if you can't work on stuff that you don't agree with, if you're going to have a, a fit over this stuff, then you need to move along. Yeah. Which, like, yes. Be adults. Be it's, adults. It's really something because, you know, when these were, you know, kids in school, in high school and then in college, and they had these crazy ideas, and the general tendency was to dismiss it. Say, oh, wait till they get to the real wait, world. The, oh, no, they are the real they world. They are the real. They changed the real world with these with, with these beliefs. So we're now talking about people who just don't, a large number of people in the workforce in places like Netflix and other places who just don't want to have their opinions challenged ever. Right. And it makes it very uncomfortable. Somebody told a bad joke. That's not acceptable. Right? Dave Chappelle or whatever. So- I hope and not this only is that they fact. not only that they can't work on that particular project, but they yeah. have to order the corporate entity to remove that project. Right? right? It's not yeah. just like they need distance from no, it. No, it full needs thing. to not exist. I heard there was a number about the percentage of uh, Americans who identify as woke. Mm-hmm. It was like eight <laughs> percent. Yeah. And yet, but it, but it, it, but everybody else is cowed into it. Yeah, because they're very along loud. along with the uh, resounding eleven percent who support. Uh, uh, no restrictions on abortion through all three trimesters. Yeah, yeah, so, like yeah, yeah. The, the mainstream folks is and what the one percent uh, of Hispanics who uh, identify as Latinx. Yes. That came out. That study came out. <laughs> that's that's an one. important one too. That's how you that's how you win over that demographic. Yeah, that's yeah. what I know. It, it 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 okay. Whole other story. We'll save that for another show. Yeah, yeah. But in the wake of these announcements, I believe actually, let me check my facts on this. But I know for sure they've started to pull the plug on some of their content. Now Netflix is profligate with the content right i'm like why don't you why don't i have a netflix show i feel like they just just hand them out they do we should have a netflix they do. oh show. this would be a good one oh. <laughs> but it, they have recently pulled the plug on several animated projects including wings of fire from executive producer ava duvernay and anti-racist baby a series aimed at preschoolers with 
And with kind regards from kindergarten of film tailored to youngsters, the streaming service also scrapped Stamped, Racism, Anti-Racism, and You, a documentary intended to serve as a companion piece to Stamped from the Beginning, which is a hybrid documentary and scripted feature that delves into race in the United States. This is from Ibrahim X. Kendi. Of course. So, you know, I there, there was a time when mentioning that you were going to not do this content would send oh. the corporate oh. world falling around your ears. And if we have reached a time when that is not the case and you can make sane decisions about what might work and what might not, yeah. great. I'm glad to be here. Question is why? Why do you, why, why do you think this is? Why do you think I think because back? I think because they can't mess around anymore. Like they're not They're finally in, realizing that there are actually a fair number of people out there who think this is too well, much. Well, I think look, I think that's some of it. But yeah. also it's because there's just not as much margin for error because they don't have they're not rolling in the money they were rolling in before. They're not rolling in the performance numbers. They were and and a lot of this was sort yeah. of Yeah, at the end by, of the day it's the imagine, bottom line. Yes. Well, a yeah. lot I think a lot of their stats are buoyed by sort of like these imaginary Numbers like, oh, yeah. everyone streams all the time. Well, sure, but what are they actually Oh, yeah. Oh, they're not, they, they always blow up their numbers based on how many minutes you watched. And it was like only a few minutes. I yes. hope they watched it, you know. <laughs> and then I also believe this is what I was going to check. Meghan Markle's Netflix series also aimed at children. Was that that can- got the got as well. Oh, so, look at this. This is a great day. I mean, this is a new era. Yeah. This is a- it surprised me that they didn't tinker with the Seinfeld catalog. Right? Oh, Because really? you remember there was another, one of the other networks, they, in the wake of George Floyd, they they removed an episode of the Golden Girls. Oh, the blackface yes. The episode. blackface episode, which... Like, the whole point of the episode the whole point was, of it was, uh, it was too- a teaching about race. Yes. And, but they got too scared. Oh, well, we can't have it. And there's a, you know, there's a Seinfeld episode where <laughs> Kramer, uh, his, his girlfriend is black, and then he oversleeps at the tanning salon. You know where this is going? And then she finally wants him to meet his family. They're all there. Oh and he walks in. And, you know, and it's funny. And I'm surprised that they didn't, you know. Yeah. Freak because out, so. obviously oh. both of these comedic performances are an endorsement of blackface. Yeah, no, Everyone can a, tell. It's by panic. The way, by the way, I don't even want to bring it up or I'll bring it up quietly. How has Robert Downey Jr. gotten away with Tropic Thunder for this long. Here's a question. How often do we see it when you're channel surfing on regular TV? I that's, don't think it, often because, I, yeah, that's my suspicion. It remains considered know. a classic though, right? Like it's People it's considered it. a very great it movie. It is and like, an amazing movie. It's an amazing movie. And I think RDJ is just uh, really well liked. Alex, have you seen Tropic Thunder? I No, I haven't. Oh. I, hold on, I need to. You better see it before it's gone. Yeah. yeah. But here's the brilliance of Robert Downey Jr. in this role, right? So Robert Downey Jr., an American, is playing an Australian right. actor who's playing a black actor who later in the movie is playing an Asian woman. <laughs> it's brilliant. No, it's great. It's, it's great. And again, <laughs> and again, as with the other ones, obviously an endorsement of blackface. I mean, that's what right. the, that's what the story is mm-hmm. about, guys. No. It's so dumb. It's no. so dumb. These things are And he makes a whole joke out of it, yes. you know. And, yes. Uh, anyway, that 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 movie by today's standards has several Oh, there's no uh, what? Yeah. problematic yeah. moments, but yeah, it has absolutely. not been I feel like it hasn't been canned in the way like sort of right. memory hold in the way that some other things have been. So so I have uh, a recommendation for Netflix because I'm sure they listen to the show okay. Netflix, which is to bring back more of the classic movies from the 80s yes. and 90s. Bring those movies back. I don't care which ones. Bring them back. Less Netflix originals. Okay. Wasn't you, want, there a, you want a full... You want I, the, just bring back the old He just wants risky business, but just the subway scene. 
Just, and the old, the first part too. The first part's got that. Is no. it the subway or is it the L? What are they? It's the L. The L. It's the L. Excuse me. Yeah, no. That's a great, which, by the way, you Vic know, would know the details. I like. I would, and I like the idea behind it. But subways are gross. I don't know if I, you know, the, I'd be like, you know what? I, I appreciate it, but we got to get out of here. Sure, but he's a teenager. He's yeah, he's wherever invincible okay, right. at that point. And in this his is, life. you know, it's funny. I was talking to uh, uh, Christine Rosen about this yesterday. And we were talking about 80s movies. And she said that the, the, the takeaway of 80s movies was uh, the fixation over virginity. That yes. was what it was. Just, yes. That's all it was. That's all it was. Uh, 80s movies were so racy. Yeah. I, it's yeah, it's funny were. that we sort of talk about our culture being so, 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 uh-huh. so sexualized. Yeah. But if you just watch like a, P, a, a PG-13 uh-huh. yeah. from 1989. Oh, like, PG-13 woo! would be like NC-17 woo! now. <laughs> Right? That's what it is. <laughs> it is It is no joke. Anyway, okay, one last story. Please. I have to brag about the most amazing breed of dog, which is the Belgian Malinois. I've heard that is, reference yes, yes. before on which the show. My, my dog is one. Oh. The, uh, the, the famous scout. This is a story from Big Bar, California. A Trinity County woman survived a mountain lion attack and has her dog to thank for jumping to her Ooh. defense. The attack happened Monday afternoon along Highway 299 between Big Bar and Del Loma. California Department of Fish and Wildlife said Aaron Wilson was walking on a path near the White's Bar picnic area when a mountain lion lunged and scratched her. Her dog, a Belgian Malinois named Eva, jumped in. The big cat grabbed the dog by the head and dragged it. The owner hit the big cat with her fists, rocks, and sticks, but the mountain lion would not let go of the dog. Wilson went Back up the road and flagged down a passing vehicle. The passerby stopped, retrieved a can of pepper spray, and sprayed the lion in the face with little to no effect. The mountain lion was attempting to move off the trail and drag the dog to a different location. The woman, I mean, that is... The mountain lion was on meth. No, seriously. Mouths are not super small, and they're very very strong. The woman, the passerby, eventually retrieved a piece of PVC pipe and began hitting the mountain lion with it until it finally released the dog. Eva the dog was badly wounded, although uh, she had some facial punctures and stuff. But I was watching the the videos of her, and she is eating successfully and seems to oh be recovering gosh. okay. Um, well, let me do an on-air correction. I said meth. I meant PCP. Sorry. <laughs> when you're on PCP, you got to yeah, get hit yeah, by yeah. a PVC. Ah, that's right. how you. That's, oh, that's a good. little acronym yeah, that's that you guys right. can remember for that's safety right. in the future. It's like superhuman strength. Super so, cat strength. So yes. So she has some head injuries, but seems to be recovering. So. Uh, she has a GoFundMe, if you guys want to oh. donate to that. Wilson added, my dog is my hero, and I owe her my life. Oh. How beautiful. As my husband would say, no cat's doing that for you. Uh, no. And the while- cat will watch. <laughs> like, oh, my fellow cat. My fellow, my my relative is, yeah. is doing the thing. My, he's taking my big, care of business. My big tough cousin yeah. is going to drag living, the dog into the woods. Living the dream. I hate this. I hate this. I hate- so the, the woman, her, I mean, like we care about her, but her injuries consist of uh, bite wounds, scratches, bruises, and abrasions, uh-huh. all non-life-threatening. Uh-huh. Dog. That, that mountain lion was no joke. Remember that, that guy uh, caught and wrestled a mountain lion on the trail while he was running? Yeah. Uh, Crazy. Like, I remember like the video. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there was one where the, the mountain lion was like, very small. This one does not seem like no. This is like full grown. They're tough. Very serious. And I'm not to denigrate that man's performance. Good job. I have never had to fight a mountain lion while running, but this They're one seems scared. very, very intent. It, it, it's one of these problems that you forget about out west that they have to deal with. Everything's so lovely. We live yeah. in such safe areas. Yeah, I'm here like, I mean, Toledo, you get, Ohio, no yeah. mountain lions. Yeah, no mountain lions. No mountain lions. We, we got Virginia. some coyote, maybe. Fox. Some, you can, you can find some bears a little bit further west. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But this, but the mountain lion thing—that's out west. 
You know, well, when people go for are, a jog. The my, mountain lions are creepy because if you walk by them on a trail, they can be behind you. They're stalking. Yes, they're, they're stalking. stalking you because they're yeah. like evil cats. Yes, right. That's I, right. By the way, I'm a cat person. I'm a former cat lady who has been converted mm. to having this mm. majestic dog. So I, while I concede that a cat would not save you on the trail <laughs> or be on the trail with you because yeah. then you'd be a weirdo walking a cat. Um, <laughs> they don't walk. You know, they don't go on uh, walks, if right. you did die on the trail, your cat would be fine. So that's the good news. They would. So your cat would just move on with life. Yeah. Somebody else will pick eat, it up. Eat whatever's yeah. in the apartment. <laughs> That's right. Uh, it's funny. When you sent the story over, I thought that the dog had, the, the Belgian Malinois had fought back the mountain lion. But in fact, it sacrificed itself. No, sounds like the mountain lion was very was stout. Amazing. Yeah. And Belgian males are, can be, ours is large. Ours is about 65, 70 pounds, but they can be definitely on the smaller side. But they're very, very and they're, muscular. A, they're a relative of the German shepherd, right? They're, yes. They're, they're a smaller, smaller shepherd variety, short haired. And they're, but they're very muscular and uh-huh. very athletic. Yeah. So the idea that this guy was uh, dra- dragging the dog off is fairly scary. Yeah. It reminded me many years ago, Andy Ferguson wrote a casual column in the Standard about his dog, uh, Buster, the, yeah. the late adorable Buster. He was a Bichon Frise. Oh. Not quite the same when you're walking down, he says, you yes. know, with these other sort of big manly dogs and people think it's a poodle and a sheep. You know, it's a, it's a manly Bichon that, That's right. I, I, Buster was adorable. Not a Belgian Malinois. <laughs> well, you know, Scout, hopefully Scout, Scout tried to defend me the other night from a raccoon. Did I tell that story on the podcast? When we got home from- No. A, yeah, when we got, we got home from a, uh, a trip and I let him into the backyard and he like really, really zoomed out into the backyard. And uh, I realized it was because a raccoon was eating his food and he had- figured out that there was something out there and he needed to protect the family they got those senses yeah so he so he went after this raccoon and actually it's on the nest camera you can see the big fat raccoon like jump for his life Ooh, excuse me i gave it a i gave it a little sound effect for you guys <laughs> that was uh, a big jump i jumped you can, i did you I can see the back. big fat raccoon jump for his yeah. life over the fence into the neighbor's yard because he's like nope Fast. nope yeah, yeah, nope. Yeah, 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 yeah. and now my dog who's annoyingly smart has decided that he needs to get out that door more often to defend the family. And do you have get... a, a door, a swinging door? No, no one can we... see because we don't have the video yet. No, we have to let him door. out. No, we have to let him out. So what he does now is he's like, "Oh, mom, I gotta pee. Oh. I'm gonna go downstairs and stand in front of the door." And then I open it, and he goes boom out into the yard, and like slams the door on me, looking for this raccoon who is not there because I'm sure the last scare was pretty good for him. And, but now I get to go downstairs to the basement and let him out more frequently so that he can trick me and look for a raccoon. What I think is remarkable is you just revealed your dog talks. <laughs> and that wraps up another edition of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And you can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. I am at MK Hammer on Twitter and Substack at MK Hammer Time on the Instagram. Thank you for being with us, whether you're a dog person or a cat person. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast.